minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Good Shabbos, 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 good Shabbos.
the uh, first half hour of our program and essentially opened it as well, which I'll explain in a second, uh, with the great uh, selections of Ben-Sion Schenker, who many of you heard uh, passed away at the age of uh, 91 this past Sunday. Uh, we were doing our um, Jewish Unity Initiative Venice trip. Didn't have a chance on Monday and Tuesday's show uh, to pay proper tribute, but we did mention, uh, as uh, I think would be obvious to everybody because of his incredible collection of Shabbos Nagunim that we would spend some time Friday remembering Ben-Sion Schenker and uh, paying tribute to him by playing his music. So that's part of it uh, right here at JM in the AM. You heard the uh, Lo Sevoshi from Ben-Sion Schenker. Benny Friedman before that, Bechayecho, and off the brand new Sheer volume number two, Eitan Katz had Bowie from his Unplugged album. Mato Vudavashal Shalas Jr., Barry Weber's D-Dun, Dror Yikra, like I said, Toward the beginning of our half hour, Ben Sion Schenker with one of those great selections. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 25th, day 24 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5777. 
Tufshin I and Zion. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah. Big shout out to those who are in Hebron for uh, Shabbat Chaye Sarah. It's possible that one of our friends from Hebron will join us at some point in the next hour for a couple of words. They get closer and closer to Shabbos. Uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Meanwhile, a, a very special Shabbat Shalom to our friends in Hebron on this very special Shabbat. Candlelighting here at 4.11 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.11, your official candlelighting time. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be on uh, Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be on Thursday. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Keep that in mind. 46 degrees outside with 89% humidity. Winds are east at 3 miles per hour. Afternoon showers today with a high temperature of 54. Then tonight, cloudy skies, a low of 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 53 degrees. Yubishalayim's at 53. We're at 46 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. We're trying to um, get in touch with somebody who can address the issue of the terrible fires that are going on in Israel as we speak. So we hope to address that uh, coming up within the hour. I mentioned Hebron on this very special uh, Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. Malcolm Holmline will join us uh, just over an hour from now. The weekly update will be conducted starting at about 7.40 Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in from uh, anywhere around the world on the NSN app or on your computer, uh, whatever the case may be. The transition to our brand-new all-digital platform is uh, happening quickly. Thursday, uh, November, excuse me, Thursday, December the 1st, will be our final day on uh, terrestrial radio, then our uh, next stage of this incredible radio project begins. And make sure, if you're outside New York and New Jersey, obviously this doesn't affect you at all. You won't even notice the difference. If you're somebody who listens on uh, on the app or on your computer or on the listen line or through archives, you will not notice the difference either, even if you're in New York and New Jersey. If those of you who listen on the terrestrial radio stations we we'll have to make this adjustment. We ask you to do so, to come along with us, transition with us, and make sure you have what you need to be tuned in every single day to JM in the AM. All right, simple as that. Let's get this done together, and we'll make sure to uh, provide amazing programming and a radio show that will become even bigger and even better as time marches on. Um, all right, so please. Get with the program, as they say, and make sure you're equipped for the big transition. J.M. in the A.M. at 26 minutes before 7 o'clock. Uh, Rabbi Yudin is going to join us at about 8.15 with words about Chaye Sarah. We'll wrap up at 9, and of course, uh, Naomi Nachman will follow at 9 a.m. on the Nachum Siegel Network with Table for Two, plus Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, which is always remarkable. Uh, that's going to be happening uh, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candle lighting, and we'll include in the early part a whole bunch of great selections from the one and only Ben Sion Schenker. So ha- plenty is going on. Lots happening on a Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. I hope your Thanksgiving was good. I want to thank everybody who commented on yesterday morning's show. And Gavri, Gavriel Siegel, joined me for a very special morning here at JM the AM. We really had a good time, and I think that was evident uh, from the conversation. Love the uh, comments on the app. In fact, the app is up and running. Anybody out there wants to comment on anything going on this morning, you can do so by uh, adding a comment on the home screen of the app, and we welcome that. And, of course, we do read that and take them very, very seriously. wanted to begin the next segment with a look back at what happened this past Saturday night, the incredible Malava Malka. And don't forget, this video is uh, accessible to you. Go to NahumSiegel.com 
and you could actually uh, see all four videos, major full-length videos that we produced uh, based on the events in uh, Venice. And uh, if you go to the uh, Jewish Unity Initiative Malava Malka video, you'll see Itzik Dadia and Daniela Haviel and company uh, performing in grand fashion. And this is part of that amazing performance. Takes us back to what happened this past Saturday night, the special Malava Malka in Venice at JM in the AM.
שגדלנו בתודה, בעלל השם אלוקים, בגדלנו בתודה, י"ה ו"ו השם אלוקינו, השם אחד, י"ה
Me is one. 
Ben Schenker passed away uh, on Sunday. 
We remember him on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JMAM. No more appropriate time to remember him with all his incredible Shabbos Nigunim. Friday morning broadcast at JMAM. You heard Zevi Kaufman with Lechad Odiboy Vishalom done by Baruch Levine. It's Igdadyan Hashem Melech from our very own Venice Malava Malka this past Saturday night. An inspiring and unifying event which was just incredible. Candle lighting at 4.11 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FNL Broadcasting Live. In the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jamnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Plenty coming up. We'll uh, speak with a representative that's helping uh, from an organization helping with the fires and its aftermath in Israel and plenty more. Galat Sal Israel Army Radio News next. <laughs> מתוכם 13 מסוכנים למגורים. קריאת חיפה הודיעה בצהריים כי ביום ראשון התקיימו הלימודים כסדרם בכל מוסדות החינוך בעיר. ביישוב יעד שבמועצה האזורית מסגב הורשו תושבי 15 בתים לשוב עליהם לאחר ששריפת קוצים התפשטה בשעות האחרונות לעבר שכונות מגורים. גם היישוב חרשים צפונית לחרמיאל פונה מתושביו בעקבות התקדמות הלהבות. בבתי החולים בחיפה מטופלים 26 בני אדם בעקבות הדלקות. כתבתנו טל זרביב. מצבם של המטופלים קל מלבד אישה מבוגרת בת 80 שמצבה מוגדר בינוני. המשרד להגנת הסביבה התריע כי נצפית עלייה בריכוזי החלקיקים עקב גל נוסף של אבק המגיע לאזורנו. וההמלצה לאוכלוסייה הרגישה ביניהם חולי לב וריאות קשישים בנשים בהיריון להימנע משהייה שלא לצורך בחוץ. ולשאר האוכלוסייה מומלץ להימנע מפעילות גופנית מאומצת. מצרים וירדן הציעו לישראל סיוע בכיבוי האש. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. מצרים תשלח שני מסוקי כיבוי וירדן תשלח כבאיות לסייע לכוחות הכיבוי הישראלים להשתלט על גל השרפות. בינתיים פועלים בישראל מטוסים יוונים ומטוס קפריסאי. שני מטוסים איטלקים, שניים קרואטים ושני מטוסים רוסים יצאו בשעה הקרובה לטיסת כיבוי ראשונה. הערב צפוי להגיע גם הסופר טנקר מארצות הברית. הוא יכול לשאת 95 טון מים וחומרים מעכבי בעירה. בתוך כך אומר ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו כי הוא גאה על הקמת טייסת הכיבוי בעקבות אסון הכרמל בשנת 2010. אי אפשר להילחם באש בלי לוחמי אש כמוכם, אי אפשר, וזה גבורה, אתם יודעים בקו האש. אבל אין שרפות יער ואין שרפות שטח, אין היום טיפול בעולם אפקטיבי בלי מטוסי כיבוי. ואני גאה על כך שיש לנו היום טייסת כיבוי גדולה וטובה. נתניהו אמר את הדברים ביישוב בית מאיר במועצה האזורית מטה יהודה שפונה במהלך הלילה מתושביו. באזור ירושלים עדיין לא הושגה שליטה באש בכמה מוקדים. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. בדלקה סמוך לבית מאיר לא הושגה שליטה, אבל הלהבות הורחקו מהיישוב ולא מסכנות אותו כרגע. עם זאת התושבים לא יכולים לחזור לבתיהם עדיין בשל זיהום אוויר גבוה מאוד במקום. בשער הגיא השרפה עדיין משתוללת, היא לא מאיימת על כבישים או יישובים, אך ללוחמי האש אין שליטה עליה. השר לביטחון הפנים גלעד ארדן אמר לגל"צ כי החשוד בהצתה בבית מאיר נתפס בעקבות שימוש שיזם באמצעים מתקדמים של צה"ל. יש לנו כבר בידי המשטרה עצורים שחלקם נתפס בשטח, חלקם לאחר פעולות חקירה. המצית 
שנתפס כחשוד בהצתה בבית מאיר, נתפס בזכות שיתוף הפעולה עם צה"ל והעלאת שיטה בלתי מאוים. שהכווין את הכוחות לתנועות חשודות בשטח. משטרת ישראל עצרה עד כה 14 חשודים בהצתת אש או בהסתה לגרום לשרפות. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת כי המשטרה מוסיפה להיות בכוננות גבוהה ברחבי הארץ מחשש לדלקות נוספות. תחזית מזג האוויר, היום ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. מחר ובראשון, התחממות. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב. בצוות עמית נגבי והילה מזרחי.
J.M. in the A.M. Avention Solomon with that Lachad the Friday morning broadcast. Erev Shabbos Parshas Chayi Sarah. We'll see if we can get one of our friends to call in from the uh, Erev Shabbos. That must be very exciting at this point. Uh, it's after 2 o'clock on a Shabbos that starts on a Friday where Shabbos starts at about 4 in Israel. Uh, so if you're in Hebron right now, boy, oh boy, the excitement must be building, getting ready for that very special Shabbat. Candle lighting at 4.11 in this area, 4.11, pretty early. Make sure you uh, keep that in mind as you travel where you need to go, Erev Shabbos. 4.11, your official candle lighting time. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be on Thursday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be on Thursday. Uh, afternoon showers today with a high temperature of 54. Yerushalayim right now at 53. We're at 46 in Jersey City as we say good morning. At JM in the AM. The um, transition that we're uh, in the midst of as we speak will become official on Thursday, December 1st, when JM in the AM becomes the exclusive presentation of the Nahum Siegel Network and goes to a digital platform exclusively, which means uh, in order to make sure, if you are a terrestrial radio listener, in order to make sure that you can uh, hear us loudly and clearly forever. Uh, you want to make sure to have uh, our listen line. You want to make sure to have your web radio set. You want to make sure to have your uh, NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app. Look for the uh, app in your store uh, by simply searching Nahum Siegel Network. You want to make sure to have the app. You want to make sure to um, have your car with Bluetooth and our auxiliary cable so that you could hear it easily. You want to make sure that uh, some of the people in our community, especially the elderly, have a one touch one button system to get the nsn network which would be uh you know on an ipad i know somebody just recently told me they bought a used ipad for their mother just to get that done so uh all of these um all of these methods are great methods and next week at this time we will be an exclusive digital platform radio network and we want you along with us for good reason uh you'll love the show you may as well uh continue to tune in every single day and be part of this incredible radio experience. And we're just going to keep getting bigger and better, and we want you to be part of it. JMAM, I want to thank those who have been commenting on the app. Got some great comments so far this morning on the app. Uh, a big thank you to uh, Daniel, who says, Good Shabbos from Richmond, Virginia. And Shaney in the old city of Jerusalem says, Good Shabbos from the old city. Please all daven for rain in Israel. Uh, yes, please all daven for rain in Israel. Uh, in light of the uh, situation with the fires, which we uh, are going to be addressing, I am told, in just a few minutes from now with a guest from Israel who can give us a briefing on the uh, latest. Uh, weekly update with Malcolm Honline coming up. Malcolm Honline is going to join us at about 7.40 this morning as we, as we explore the events of the week here at JM and the AM. Uh, 7.40 Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. And... Um, Right after, uh, right after that, Rabbi Yudin's going to address us regarding the Shabbos, the Parsha of Chaye Sarah. Nine o'clock for Naomi Nachman, a brand new edition of the uh, Table for Two program. You can see the whole thing in the video section on the homepage at NachumSiegel.com. You could listen in, of course, on all of our platforms and catch Naomi between nine and ten. Kedem's presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix goes from ten o'clock until candle lighting time. Um, Trying to think what else I want to remind everybody about. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night. Rabbi Zwickler will join Avrami at some point for a, a Dvar Torah um, with Saturday night, Siegel. Sunday morning, Matis hosts JM Sunday every single Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Keep that in mind. Court report with Elliot Weiselberg, 7 o'clock Sunday night. 
uh, on uh, jmnam.org and the NSN app, nachomsegel.com. Lots going on before we get back here on a Monday. Yeah, this network just keeps growing and keeps adding more and more and more for everybody out there. So make sure you're tuned in and that you are uh, all set for our big transition coming up. JM in the AM with the great Ben Sion Schenker. <laughs>
Shabbat in Liverpool with uh, Schlock Rock and Lenny Solomon. Before that, the great Ben Sion Schenker from his Shabbos in Mudgets. Ben Sion Schenker passed away this past Sunday, so now we say Ben Sion Schenker of blessed memory as we remember some of his amazingly good in Friday morning broadcast. J.M. the Amateur of Shabbos, Parashat Chaye Sarah. We're not there in Hebron this year. Someone, uh, someone said to me yesterday how um, when I think of Chaye Sarah, I think of you, meaning me, uh, being in Israel, which is really nice. And really wonderful. Wish I was there today. But our good friend, Dr. Joe Rosazada, just 90 minutes before Shabbat in Hebron, is with us live via telephone. Dr. Joe Rosazada, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? Everything is wonderful. Can you describe the scene for us as you're watching, I would assume, 10, 20, 25,000 people converge on the holy city of Hebron? really really unbelievable everybody from every single different direction is going coming the tents are going up <laughs> it's really it's like amazing like you know there's a truck here that has like a flat bed that i think like 10 people are like <laughs> about to like you know put beds around there and go to sleep there it's really unbelievable it's like you know every from every single direction every single person a different type of jews and from all over it's really amazing you know this is my fifth time and like every single time it gets like i say oh maybe i'm you know i see this already or whatever but every single time i come it's like a different experience and it's different it's unbelievable you know i'm, I'm here with laurie and like she's amazed this is her second time also and she's like she's amazed with what's happening here uh, it is incredible, and uh, one of the points that we've got to reiterate is young and old alike. Not only are you watching people from all different Jewish backgrounds come from different parts of the world to enjoy this special Shabbat with our mothers and fathers in the holy city of Hebron, but you're watching very young all the way to very old all come together for this unified uh, idea and this unified Shabbat. It's, it's unbelievable. You really, like, you have, like, two-month-year-old, like, you know, two-month-old <laughs> kids and then you have like you know 75 year olds it's like and every single one of them is just so happy excited you know it's unbelievable if you think about it really like avram of you know our father walks these, these like where i'm stepping on where i'm standing like you know it's amazing to to have that feeling and it's amazing to see have so many other so many people and by the way the security is unbelievable like you know call a cover to sahal they're unbelievable unbelievable what they're doing like every single step it's you know, even with the fires and everything all going on, it's amazing how, how the whole country comes together and, like, you know, 
unified and it's unbelievable. Dr. Joe Rosazada from Chevron. Uh, this has been uh, quite a week for you and Lori. The spirit and the incredible Shabbat in Venice with the community there, and people have heard plenty about that from us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. And now. Uh, another Shabbat of unity, being together, Chaye Sarah, with our mothers and fathers, our Avot and Imahot. You must be on a real Jewish community high. It's really, really, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. The whole week has been amazing. Like, you know, what an incredible job you did and the team did in Venice. And all those people, you know, we just saw that letter that it was sent to me. It was really emotional to, to see the letter, how, they much, how much they appreciated. And I'm not sure if we're going to get a letter after today, but... I know that people here that are living here, how much they appreciate our support and know that, you know, all the way, all quality is together. And it's really amazing, amazing to see. Hey, Dr. Joe, um, think of me tonight when you walk up to Tel Romeda, please. I will, I will. And, and you know, on the bus ride, I saw Judy, and Judy sends regards. Oh, Judy's there for Shabbat! She said to me, she said to me, just tell Nachum that if he remembers the Charlie Williger on Friday night. I mean, oh. But I just do want to tell you that she said to remind you. Of. I certainly do. That was one of the great uh, Shabbat Chai Saraz that we were in Chevron. I was there with Shuli Williger, and it was he led the Kalbach davening in the Mara, and it was just spectacular as every single visit there has been. Uh, by the way, you might see some members of the Siegel family. I saw them already. I saw them. They look great. We have a picture that we have, you know, there, we have a picture with them already that I sent to you. But they were looking amazing, Bachshan. They're learning. They're, they look happy. Um, you know, I saw, I saw Yosef, they're really, the both of them, I really, really do. I didn't see Chavi yet, but I'm sure I'll see her. Later. Oh, that's great. Yeah, get us those photos before Shabbat starts, please. <laughs> I will, I will. I'll try my best to do it. And, and regards to everybody there, and please, you know, just, uh, you know, when you're sitting in shul, remember all the, all the Tchalalis all together, and tomorrow when you say Achenu, or when you say Shalom Medina Israel, just remember that everybody is together, and we all really united you know, behind a, a great, great cause, like, you know, which is Klawisal. Oh. And, you know, when you say Achenu at the end of your show, just make sure everybody remembers this. And it's unbelievable that to be together. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, you know I'm sure the kids, Zadie, my mom, everybody's listening. And, you know, it's just, you know, Shabbat Shalom to every single person, all the family members, and also Shabbat Shalom to you and your family. And uh, I wish you were here. We miss you. Oh. Maybe next year. You can't imagine, Bezrat Hashem, even sooner than that. Thank you, Dr. Joe Rosazada. He is ready with his wife, Lori, to spend an incredible Shabbat Chaye Sarah in Hebron. And like I said, he was with us last Shabbat for a uh, unity event outside of Israel. This Shabbat, he's at a real unity event inside Israel in the holy city of Hebron. Kolakavot, everybody who's there. Uh, extra special when you're able to uh, take a couple of days off with Thanksgiving weekend and go. The timing was impeccable for so many people this year, so hopefully the crowd in Hebron from outside of Israel is larger than ever. J.M. the A.M. Friday on this Erev Shabbos with candlelighting at 411. More is coming up if you keep it here at J.M. the A.M. Brand new from the Sheer Volume Number 2 album at Shlaimi Daskal.
Hashem tishgocheini Adono Tasir mimeni Oyadono Hawashis benafshi Adono yorum Olayoyvi Adono Hashem tishgocheini Actually, that might be a, uh, a misprint in terms of the order of this uh, brand new CD. I believe that's actually Baruch Levine. Baruch Levine from the brand new Sheer, volume number two here at JM and the AM. 7.30 in the morning on this Friday morning. Uh, mo- many of us have been, uh, if not all of us, have been watching very closely the news from Israel. The fires that have been started back uh, around Tuesday and uh, continued until now, and I believe still continue. We'll find out in a moment. Many of us are wondering what we can do from these thousands of miles away. Yoel Zilberman. Yoel Zilberman is with us live via telephone from Israel with an organization entitled the Hashomer HaChadash and can give us an update here on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Yoel, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. 
Uh, first, Hi. first, give us the news. First, tell us what happened earlier in the week. To what degree these fires are spread throughout Israel, and then tell us what the situation is today. Look, the situation is that the the air is very dry, and the wind coming from the east to west. So it means that it's a very very dry wind, and because it's a very strong wind, so it's a great opportunity to do airsons and uh, then uh, you know and uh, make uh, fires all over, and it's very it's becoming very very hard. Sometimes, uh, you know, impossible to, to stop the fire in many places. And what we see here in Israel in the last uh, three days, uh, it looks like maybe some organized uh, uh, groups and some not of uh, people that come and do an arson all over the Negev and the Galilee areas, the Jerusalem area. And just in the middle of the night, yesterday night, we saw like a huge fire all over the Galilee. So, so, so essentially, there's no section of Israel that has not been touched by these fires. So, right now, there is like uh, more than 50 locations all over Israel that uh, suffered from this arsons. Arson, sorry. And uh, what uh, happening here is that uh, what we understood that immediately, if we are not going to have people outside all over in uh, areas that are in risk. So we might get inside a, a, a mass, like a lot more difficult situation. So in the last uh, 30, 36, a little bit more uh, uh, of hours uh, from now, we started uh, with uh, hundreds of volunteers that came from all over Israel, left everything and came uh, to do patrols all over, and uh, actually making a presence like a neighborhood watch, making sure that nobody burning anything, and on the other hand, making sure that uh, if there is something, somebody there. So we'll catch him before we will do the. Right. Uh, it, will, it will make this fire happen. Are, are are these fires right now relatively under control? And are there still a lot of displaced persons in Israel as Shabbat is about to begin? So uh, right before Shabbat, I can tell you that uh, there is few areas that the, Shabbat, the fire is under control. Just in Haifa, for example, there is more than six hundred houses that are damaged that are completely burned. And there is many other uh, houses all over the area of Jerusalem and many small villages in the Galilee. But right now, just in the last five minutes, I got a call about another fire in another location. And I can tell you that all over the time, people trying to make this airsense uh, from uh, Arabic villages going out and trying to do this airsense. Right now, we're having 30 different locations of a Shomer HaChadash uh, uh, um, volunteer that in each location we have between three to six teams that driving and going all over. It means that hundreds of people, like between three to five people in each car or walking, you know, uh, doing presents in every region. And so you can imagine how many people are all over these areas. I can give you many examples, like yesterday night, that volunteers come into some area and see a car running away and then they see a bonfire like, that tried to burn the tree. And they're smelling, you know, the oil. And they're smelling, you know, the, 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 the smell of someone that's trying to, to create a big fire, not something small. And because they, they got there very fast and saw that, they made sure that they, uh, they can shut it down. And there is a village that was just uh, 200, yard, 200 yards from this uh, location. So you can imagine 
like many other places in Israel, what happened, what could happen if they wasn't there. Yo- this is part of what we see in the, the last uh, uh, hours. Yoel Zoberman is with us uh, live from Israel on this Erev Shabbat. Uh, Hashomer Hadash. Hashomer HaChadash is the organization. All right, so what, what, what can you use from us? Um, what, what are the needs right now in order to help people in Israel from thousands of miles away? Look, right now um, we are doing very hard work and we need the equipment to shut these fires, except that we are uh, trying to buy as much as we can. We're trying to look for 15 drones so they will be able you know, to take care uh, big uh, uh, areas to give us a big picture right. of what's going on in, in a, a big amounts of areas. Right. And except that, it's a it's tool, you know, to shut down the fires and, uh, uh, you know, fill up the holding waters and things like that. And uh, have every help that people can give can be great. What, is a, and, uh, what, what does a drone cost? We try to do all that from here. What does a drone cost to do that? The drone cost is about... Five thousand uh, dollars—the drone that can uh, give you a picture in the night. Also, there's simple drone that can give you a picture in the day. But yesterday night, for example, I saw by my eyes at least five places with the uh, airstrip that was in the middle of the night. So, if you want to to catch these people, you have to see like to have a, a night vision uh, abilities. Right. So this is the cost of a drone that has these abilities, and this is what we're trying to look for. I assume people can contribute through the website. It's Hashomer org.il hashomer h a s h o m e r dot org dot i l am i correct that that's where people can donate to the cause exactly and there is also a shomer site in the facebook okay There's someone trying to get us in the site and there is any problem so we can get us also in the facebook it's called the hashomer Hadash in english or hashomer Hadash in hebrew it will get these two options and you can write us and it will get the straight away uh, enter. This might be an ill-timed question, but I've got to ask it. What does Hashomer HaChadash do when there aren't fires uh, threatening Israel? Look, Hashomer HaChadash and our mission state statement is to keep the lands of Israel through social active and education. We are going to end 2016 with more than 40,000 volunteers. 2,500 of them came from the United States in the last year. And what we are trying to do, we're actually trying, like every kid should touch the Western Wall with its five fingers and fill the Western Wall and take it as part of his identity, we believe that every young person in the Jewish world has to get his uh, personality to be connected to the land of Israel. Mm. As part of who he is and part of who, he, like, who we are as a nation. So what we're doing, we're actually helping to farmers all over Israel, uh, farmers that are in a situation that uh, suffering from damages of uh, uh, mafias, you know, and, and uh, uh, groups of people that try to take them away from their land. In the last seven years, eight years, what we did, we, we established a movement with educational programs and uh, opportunities to volunteer in the Shomer Hadash between one day to 13 months. So also people from uh, uh, more areas, from the United States or from abroad, whatever they are, are more than welcome to come and take, uh, take place, take part, to become partners in this uh, movement. It's growing and growing, and uh, we're looking for uh, uh, more people. That will become uh, like us, people that connected to the land, loving the land, and making sure that we're having this land for uh, many years forward, for always. Yoel Zilberman from Hashomer HaChadash. If you want to help, it's hashomer.org.il. His group of uh, volunteers are doing what they can to make sure the uh, arson uh, episodes I'm just, stop. I'm just, correct, I'm just correcting you. The, the site is Shomer, 
Okay, here we... Here, I, I, <laughs> not to argue with you, but we accessed your site with the following address, which might be even, ah, okay. which might be even okay. easier for our listeners. Hashomer.org.il, Hashomer.org.il. They are working hard to, uh, to do what they can uh, to get these arson attacks on Israel to stop. That's number one. And if there are fires, uh, or where there are fires, to do what they can uh, to actually put them out and get them under control. Yoel, kolak avod to you. Thank you so much for joining us. I can imagine it's going to be a very challenging Shabbat, but I will wish you a Shabbat Shalom. And let us know if our listeners can do more for uh, Hashomer HaKadash. Thank you so much. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Quiet Shabbat for all of us. Thank yes, you. Bezrat Hashem. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbat, Parshat Chayi Sarah again. If you want to help out, this is a volunteer effort that is doing remarkable things all the time, but right now they have a very, very big challenge ahead, as does everybody in Israel, uh, who are trying to fight the fires and trying to uh, cut down and eliminate the arson attacks on the Holy Land. Go to hashomer.org.il, hashomer.org.il for information, or just search on Facebook or on your web browser, hashomer hachadash, with an A, ha, hashomer Hachadash. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Friday morning on this Arab Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah, candlelighting at 4.11 on this Arab Shabbos. Uh, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Kislev will be on Thursday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to recommend to their readers our amazing and incredible network at NachumSiegel.com. Everybody out there, uh, check out JewishWorldReview.com for the thousands of articles relating to Israel and the Jewish world. Print them out before Shabbos and uh, <laughs> and hope that the 25 hours of Shabbos is enough to get through all of them. Uh, I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. They continue to utilize our incredible content for their amazing news feed that you should uh, be checking on a regular basis if you don't already. OnlySimchas.com, way, way beyond Simchas at this point. And I believe they uh, featured some of our incredible videos from Venice, uh, the Monday and Tuesday JM in the AM, the Bartonura Winery Tour, which was pretty remarkable from last Sunday, which we aired on Tuesday, and the um, Pièce de Résistance, the uh, incredible Malava Malka of Jewish unity in the Ven Venetian ghetto last Saturday night with Itzik Dadia and Daniela Javiel. Just a remarkable. So big thank you to OnlySimchas.com. If you haven't seen those videos yet, check out their site. Check out our site at NachumSigl.com and enjoy some of the amazing presentations from Venice it was just a remarkable and incredible trip. want well, to remind everybody, our big transition is coming up on Thursday, which means you have to be prepared to transition with us to our all-digital platform as the JMAM radio program becomes the flagship of the exclusive flagship of the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, make sure you are tuned in. There are so many different methods, as we've been discussing. Uh, the NSN app for Android and iPhone the web radios that we've been speaking about on the air, the listen line, which has had an unbelievable <laughs> surge over the last few weeks since our announcement on September the 20th, an unbelievable surge in terms of new users, people who simply are calling a phone number to listen to us on a uh, regular basis. And uh, the Bluetooth in your car and the auxiliary cable in your car and all the different methods uh, that allow you, then of course your computer desktop, which might be the easiest. And a lot of people, especially for the senior citizens out there, are getting them iPads or used iPads and simply putting a one-touch system on their home screen where they press a button or they touch on the button and all of a sudden uh, the app brings them to uh, to all of our great programming live and of course all of our archives as well. So check it all out. This only affects those who are tuned in on terrestrial radio in New York and New Jersey. If you listen through archives or the app or any other method, uh, and obviously if you're outside the New York, New Jersey area, uh, the program will continue seamlessly for you uh, post this coming Thursday. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning now. We'll get, back, we'll get to our, uh, as we were just focused uh, moments ago, uh, we'll get to the discussion about the fires in Israel and so many other things in just a moment. Uh, so we stumbled upon the uh, fact that you'll be addressing the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Chabad Shluchim at their annual conference this coming Sunday night. That, I'm sure, is going to be a unique experience for you. Yes, it has me, frankly, very nervous. I talk to people on radio and in person to hundreds of thousands, to millions on radio, and it does not bother me. This really scares me. To have it's a great honor and privilege, 
and it's something I've uh, attended for many, many years, and I've had a lifelong association. But uh, this is a, I see it as a big responsibility. Yeah, no question about it. In fact, I've pointed out, not, not to make you even more nervous, <laughs> but I have pointed out to people, because I've been there in the room at times, and of course I try to watch uh, on the web whenever I don't have a gig that night or whatever, and uh, I have seen people who are never, ever, ever nervous at public presentations. And if they are, we'd never know it as members of the audience. And I've seen them be noticeably shaken by the experience. Are you glad that I brought this up, Mr. Holmart? <laughs> really thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you one thing I have noticed about those people. After the first three, four minutes, they begin to roll. It's the, yeah, they're catatonic. By yeah, they, start, <laughs> they start off sometimes a little rough. And you can see they're adjusting to the crowd and the whole situation. It's a, it's a large uh, arena there that, they, uh, that they're uh, speaking in. Uh, but then, of course, and, and you, I, have, I have all the confidence in the world that it will be a smooth presentation for you. And enjoy the experience. It must be remarkable. And people from all around. We were in Venice. People are telling us, you know, they're about to get on a plane to come to New York to be part of the Shluchim Conference. I mean, people come from all over the planet to be at this uh, incredible gathering. And I, I got emails from Shluchim and people, you know, I met in my travels and, you know, dealt with them uh, in local communities all over the world. And all of a sudden, my email got flushed with these uh, messages. And, uh, of course, uh, I found out that the Chabad network is really very effective. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And people are looking forward to what you have to say. And I'm sure you've come up with a tale or two based on the uh, meetings you had with the Lubavitcher Rebbe that will be intriguing, not just in that room, but really to everybody around the world. So Maybe. Maybe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All about the expectations. Huh? <laughs> You're lowering the expectations, and I am raising them. Election, I don't think anything can be intriguing <laughs> to people right now. I am raising the expectations and having a lot of fun doing so, I must say. I'm sure you are. Oh, yes. All right, so we have a situation in Israel that is... Um, uh, not fun. That is not fun at all, uh, talking about the fires. Uh, I mean, is there a way... And by the way, I was shocked because... You and others had told us that rain was falling after Sukkot. I didn't realize we had such a dry season, number one. And number two, is there a way to determine, based on, on what you've been told by members of government, what percentage of this, in fact, uh, are arson attacks, and what percentage is just, you know, naturally what happens when conditions are like this in a place like Israel? It, it, uh, they don't know themselves. And the... Um, um, you know the the nature of these things that they the way that they are coming up the way that they are uh, spreading would lead one to believe that there's arson but it could be that some are arson and some are just because of the dry tinder or because of something that you know somebody's carelessness but you don't get a pattern like this the, the, the one in Haifa at least is coming down but unfortunately we're now seeing it in Yerushalayim four homes were burnt near Yerushalayim and the um uh, the intensity of these fires, and because everything is so dry, they're spreading very fast. What, what I think is remarkable, though, Nahum, is the is the immense response. I don't know if you've seen how many countries uh, really came to Israel's aid. Israel is always there for everyone else, as you know, with Haiti, Nepal, Kenya, wherever there was a tragedy, natural disaster, or terrorist attack, Israel is always there. But this time, Croatia sent two airplanes and 14 people, Russia, two planes, and 19 people, Turkey, uh, one plane first, now two more planes are going with, uh, I don't know, a dozen, 15 people, Cyprus, 
seven people in the plane, Azerbaijan, a Muslim country, one airplane, and 12 people, Ukraine, two planes, France, two planes, and one more is on its way. Um, Italy, two planes and 13 people. Greece sent three planes, fire planes, plus a cargo plane and almost 50 people. And and now there are more countries that have just announced that they are sending assistance, and there's a super tanker that should be arriving about now in uh, in Israel with uh, from the United States. That w- will be very important. They don't want the small planes now. They need the, the super tanker, you know, is very yeah. effective in firefighting. Um, yeah, the response is pretty remarkable, and it's probably one of the only areas of life that Israel could not, you know, go ahead and offer help to other countries. So it's interesting to watch as all this is going on and the response that we've seen, uh, especially early on. I mean, some countries really jumped in immediately uh, right. to, to offer aid, which is really nice. Um, would you call these fires under control now, or, or because it's hard to speak about each one individually, because some may be, some may not be, would you say the situation as a whole is somewhat under control at this point? No. For one, some of the fires, the individual fires, have been uh, have, are, are described as uh, under control, but uh, on Thursday night, about 200 fires were dealt with uh, uh, over as of Thursday night for I don't know, I guess uh, 72 hours, and uh, more than 75,000 people were evacuated from the homes, mostly in, the, in Haifa and many more in other places. Now we're having some evacuations near Jerusalem. Uh, what is really miraculous is that there has not been a death or a, or a critical injury, Baruch Hashem, so far. And it, the police had arrested about a dozen suspects or, uh, in, uh, for arson or inciting people to start fires. And, uh, and some of those are, are those who were believed to be responsible for starting the fires near Haifa. Again, not all of them have been proven to be... Um, uh, have proven to be uh, arson, but as one of the officials said, uh, I think the head of the Fire and Rescue uh, Authority uh, Investigation Department, I think he said that 60 or 70 percent were arson, wow. that there is physical evidence. That's pretty overwhelming. And, yeah. and now uh, I know that uh, you know people don't get a real picture of it, but for a small country, uh, about 2,200 acres were burned uh, is so far and um in the north and the uh, the several of these uh, fires took homes uh with them and in places like Nuit and Savion and other places so and and some of them are getting close to some oil facilities um, gas stations things so they you know it's very critical that they get it under control as quickly as possible um i earlier we spoke with uh Yoel Zilberman from Hashomer, Hashomer Hadash, is one, just one volunteer. guy. Yeah, just one volunteer organization that's doing incredible work in general for the land of Israel, and people can contribute that way. Uh, I mean, anything else you could tell us in terms of what we could do from thousands of miles away, aside from Pray for Rain, which is one of the messages that we got on our app earlier this morning? Well, I know that the, the, um, the Hashomer Hadash, which is uh, Yoel Zilberman's organization, is an amazing group. I went to see them firsthand in the Galil over Sukkot, and they're really remarkable people. Uh, I know Hatzala and others are all responding, JNF, to, to, in different ways to the fires and people's contributions now to buy equipment. Uh, I know that Hashomer Hadash needed uh, all sorts of, uh, of, of equipment for their volunteers, 
who are uh, working in those areas and trying to stop it, and most of all to prevent the fires by patrolling and going into areas where you know the fires might be set. Yeah, and he also so, he also mentioned to anybody who really can help and afford it, uh, those five thousand dollar night vision drones would come in very handy at this time. So if anybody out there could sponsor one or more of those, that would be helpful as well. Or a group of shuls could undertake right. to, to do it. And, and it's something that they can use then throughout the year because they right. try to work to prevent the incursions by Arabs and others into the farms in Galileo, forced, which often forced the Jewish owners to leave. And now that because of them, they're able to stay. And they struggle literally every day with this. But the yeah, there are a lot of good causes there are people who are involved in the um, in the firefighting and also you know that tens of thousands of reservists are being called in to join the police and firefighters and um, and uh, they too will have their lives uh, disrupted we also should mention that uh, there's that uh, I heard this from someone in Jerusalem earlier today that there are thousands of people displaced for Shabbos because of evacuations, etc. And obviously, as you would imagine, and we've seen countless times before, the rest of the country has responded by making sure to house as many people as possible for the next few days if necessary. And that's something that we know is unique to our people. So, Very unique, and, and uh, most people have a family or friends or somebody they can go to, but they were told anybody who didn't would be taken care of, and, and they are. Oh, and I gotta thank I gotta thank listener Avi who pointed this out to me earlier this morning. Apparently, Airbnb has a notice that in light of the recent events in Israel, they want to let everyone know they're waiving all service fee fees and enabling hosts to list for free because of the fire situation. So it's funny you never know where help is where help is going to come from. But uh, that was a, that, remarkable. Yeah, that was a nice gesture I thought, and uh, from an outfit that uh, you know we're not that familiar with in terms of their activities. In Israel, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, of course, on the NSN app. We're just a week away from our big transition to our all digital platform. Make sure you are prepared and ready for that. We'll give more details, obviously, as we get closer and closer. But again, remember, terrestrial radio will no longer be the home of JM and the AM. The home will be our uh, digital-only uh, network, uh, the Nahum Siegel Network, which uh, is on the web, is on your app, is on your telephone. And again, we'll review all of it as we get closer and closer to the big transition. Uh, it's Shabbat Hebron, we should mention. We spoke about that earlier with one of our friends who are in Hebron. We did that on the air, just another incredible Shabbat there of great Jewish unity. You know, last week we had this opportunity to do a Jewish unity event in Venice. D- just didn't want, uh, didn't want this conversation to go. And you, of course, are speaking at one of the great unifying events this coming Sunday night at the Shluchim Conference of Chabad. Um, we always, you know, we talk about the, all the, the difficult news that we have to report, and sometimes we don't get to focus on some of the positive things that are going on. Uh, we should not lose, uh, lose vision and, uh, and neglect the fact that, thank God, there are a lot of wonderful Jewish unity projects that are taking place, Malcolm. And in this case, with the fire, a Jewish unity project that comes, unfortunately, out of the ashes, that comes from a very, uh, you know, negative situation, yet we see our people step up and you know for those who complain that we don't sometimes emphasize the positive it's a very positive aspect that we should be emphasizing yes absolutely it's, uh, it's truly remarkable and especially when it comes from outside uh, of the community no question about it all right uh there are people who are concerned about some of the choices that uh, donald trump is making 
um, for his cabinet. Um, Steve Bannon, of course, uh, at the top of that list. In addition, uh, there are people in the quote-unquote pro-Israel community, or as I like to put it, concerned about Israel community, um, who are not thrilled with some of the statements coming from his camp, including the possibility still of a Palestinian state to be negotiated, uh, how he might be anxious, it's hard to read him, how he might be anxious to restart some type of peace process. What would you say to those who are observing this and are getting nervous? They should be a little patient and wait and see. You know, uh, because somebody makes an offhanded comment, it doesn't mean that this represents some sort of uh, policy decision. Um, you know, this is a unique transition, and it's a unique candidate, uh, one that really don't know much about in terms of past positions because he didn't he didn't have governmental position before where he had to really deal with policy. But if you look at the, some of the appointments, these are people who have who do have track records. Uh, Michael Flynn. Um, uh, Pompeo at CIA, uh, and we'll have to see. It's a big decision. Is is Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense also? These are uh, critical jobs, and the people I think in this administration who take these positions uh, will have a great deal of influence, uh, as will others. So uh, I think the the um, concern that that is being expressed. Nikki Haley, who will be the ambassador to the UN, right. was the first governor to sign a BDS legislation. Uh, and anti BDS. Not visited Israel, but she, you know, has always been sympathetic. Anti BDS legislation, right? Yeah, and, yeah, of right. course. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure people knew where you were coming from. That's all. Yeah, well, for the UN, it might be pro BDS, <laughs> but thank God, no. Um, and and uh, Ms. DeVos, who's going to be the Secretary of Education, I've seen some very positive reactions to her appointment. Yeah, but you see, and, and this is where I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I would have handled things differently, but, and I think Naftali Bennett uh, brought this up in terms of the uh, you know, reaction from Israel. You and I have said countless times over the years that sometimes it's just better to you know, keep our mouths shut and there's no reason to start speaking about right. concessions and other things. And of course, from Israel, we saw that that, that that edict, that advice was not adhered to this week. Um, I sort of feel like the same thing is happening in his transition, where where certain things that could be answered with, you know, we'll take a close look and figure it out, uh, you know, could be answered that way as opposed to giving what looks like, you know, answers in a certain direction on these topics. You know what I'm saying? I would have been more comfortable if the peace process, you know, question would have been answered with, well, we're going to examine it, we'll figure it out. Instead, it sounds like they're already going in a certain direction. I, and I think that uh, people always have to be careful uh, with your words and, and how they're interpreted. It may not have been the intent, but in, to some degree, when you raise these issues, you put them on the agenda right. rather than really being a serious consideration. I assure you that uh, uh, of the priorities he has right now, this is not going to be at the top of the list. Right. And, you know, it, for one thing, he is uh, considered himself a deal maker and capable of many things, so he said. You know, he'd like to see a, a peace agreement and, and that he would negotiate and said something about his son-in-law negotiating it. Right. I mean, all of this, I think, is, is uh, you know, just a response to questions that are posed to him or, or issues, I think, in terms of priorities. He has first thousands of positions to fill, shaping a government, and he, he wants to issue a number of executive orders on the first day. This will not be one of them. Uh, we will see whether he waives the Jerusalem legislation, which is required um, for the to not to enact the 1995 legislation. Perhaps he 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 won't do that. 
um, we'll have to see. But I think people jumping to conclusions, as you said, and to to right away the public uh, posturing about things is mistaken. If you, there are reasons to express concern, if there are people who don't like particular names, they can say it. But you better do it on the basis of facts and uh, do it across the board. Yeah. I mean, for both sides. And we're seeing, you know, extremists on, on, in the right and on the left who are of concern. We do see language. We do see manifestations that are of concern. And and to fight it, you need a unified country. It's not you need to bring people back together to say well, we're going to deal with the extremes, whether they come from uh, either end of the spectrum. Yeah, understood. Um, we've spoken about the date of the 29th of November, significant, and it's coming up obviously Tuesday, uh, significant because of the uh, anniversary of the partition plan, United Nations 1947. Uh, also a significant date to the uh, to the other side as well, so to speak, uh, as they always uh, mark it in a negative fashion. Will we see, as you had uh, told us to pay attention for, will we see activities at the UN this week that might uh, you know, speak more about a Palestinian state, etc.? Uh, I have no doubt that they're going to speak about it. As you know, the United Nations has specific uh, bodies designated just for the Palestinian issue, so they have to earn their keep and want to stay in business. Um, and therefore, there always are, are uh, events that will take place. So far, we have not seen any move for the resolution that we were very concerned about. The French initiative, it seems they say, is still on track, but it's unlikely in a month that they're going to be able to pull off an international conference. The United States still opposes it. And we should note that France uh, published an official notification yesterday uh, urging businesses to use labels to identify goods that are produced in, uh, in Israeli settlements. And, and it says you have to add the words Israeli settlement uh, and, and <laughs> such as made in the West Bank, Israel settlement, or made in the Golan Heights, Israeli settlement. While Israel has condemned it, um, the, uh, as, as, and as calling essentially for a boycott. So it's unfortunate uh, that France has fallen into this trap, although that we've been warned, and you know the EU has some regulation or recommendations, regulations in this regard, so I'm sure others will follow but in terms of the French initiative, I don't believe that it's going to go. The question is, if in the time remaining, and each day there's less time, uh, will some special initiative, and the critical question is, what, what does the United States uh, do? So far, we have not seen any kind of a resolution in being prepared or being introduced. Uh, it doesn't take a long time to do it, and they can do it you know, up until the last days of the session. Right. But right now, uh, so far, no, and, and no indication whether the president is going to give a speech. or I think, again, the fires and everything of Israel so preoccupied that any initiative of this kind now would be certainly um, even more inappropriate than usual. Um, on the settlement labeling thing, does France become the first country in Europe to have an official... Uh, um, an official... I don't want to call it a law. What is it, a guideline? What do you call it? A regulation. A regulation. Uh, because we've heard of things like this from England, etc., but it never got to this stage in that process, right? Is that correct? I don't think so. No, I don't think uh, it, it, it is possible the Scandinavian countries do mm. it. But this is the first. I mean, France's size and its economy and its impact, it's, it's much greater. Right. I don't think that this is going to lead to radical changes. Uh, it hasn't until now. And as we know, the BDS movement has not you know, hurt Israel 
uh, very much. Uh, it, I'm not saying it doesn't do any damage, but it does hurt in, in aside from economic ways. Uh, but it hurts the Palestinians a lot more. Right, understood. So um, these people have not got an interest of the Palestinians when they do this. You mentioned the president a moment ago, and the possibility—I I assume you meant President Obama—and the possibility of him speaking uh, this week. I mean, the, the clock is ticking. Uh, many people were wary of, you know, what could happen or what his attitude might be toward Israel between November the eighth and January the twentieth. We've now have, uh, you know, we've had a couple of weeks uh, already passed by. Any reason to think? that he will or will not act aggressively or speak aggressively when it comes to Israel? We don't know. And uh, as I said, I've spoken to administration officials as recently as uh, 24 hours ago, and right now nothing has happened. There's been no decision. Uh, I think it, in part, and it's why uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is trying to make it clear to his cabinet secretaries to do exactly what you right. said, and that is to shut up. Right, but that, that I get, but that was in reference to the U.N. I'm saying between now and No, now. but also in terms of some of the statements about settlements and stuff right now, that uh, if everybody holds off for a month, and to, so you don't give an excuse, you don't give a handle, but when you, if you do blatant actions or, or undertake policies that are, are seem to be in blatant violation of what, the West and the, the, most of the countries in the world accept, you're going to invite an intervention. So that's why he is being so adamant about telling people to back off right now. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can't make that a regulation or a law, right? <laughs> right. He also told them not to deal with the uh, incoming administration officials uh, and didn't seem to help much either. And probably told them not to comment at all on the choices of incoming officials, I would assume, as well. Of course. He, said he didn't want them to say anything or be in touch with them, because, again, you stow confusion. You can't just have every minister running and and uh, negotiating and talking to people. First, and people should just calm down and let them put a government in place. Um, to, you know, it takes months for a government, especially one like this, where it's not a continuation. Right. So he, he doesn't have a backfield that he can just call in or, or, or a bench that he can draw people off of. He, he's starting from scratch, constructing a government. And the, um, it takes a long time until they all know where the keys are and where their offices are. So people should be a little patient and, and give it a chance. And, of course, we, we look to Congress uh, to, to continue its actions, and they're moving ahead on the sanctions legislation all the time. And uh, I expect that you will see a lot more of it after January 1st when the new Congress comes into session. All right. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk more about that, obviously, down the road. The story, speaking of the U.N., the head of the Lebanon International Airport denied Thursday Israeli accusations that Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps were using commercial airline flights to ship weapons to the Lebanese Shiite Muslim group Hezbollah. Accusation made by U.N. Ambassador Danny Danone. Any update on this situation? Yeah, so we've talked about this uh, over a while, and, and what we're seeing is that Hezbollah and Iran are working together. It's become more and more clear. They uh, And unfortunately, we even see Russia and Hezbollah officially working together in Syria and announced that they have uh, military coordination uh, and we've seen a buildup of Hezbollah. They maybe have 10,000 troops in, in Syria now, now and the three-way cooperation of Hezbollah, Russia, and Iran of course is of, uh, of concern and, and in that case it was the Russian initiative to establish this communication and uh, uh, work together. So when we look at Russia's interests, it doesn't necessarily uh, coincide with what I think we would see as Israel's uh, interest and the threats that we've seen emanating uh, from there. 
um, is is of concern. But the Hezbollah buildup in particular is something, uh, and and we see also at the same time thousands of Shiite militias coming from Lebanon, Iraq, Pakistan, Afghanistan, uh, and these are people loyal to Iran, and they are um, building up near Aleppo. These are people with strong, let's say, religious extremist motivations and uh, playing a more and more important uh, role. And, and these guys are all not going to leave, even after the war is over. And this is to establish the permanent Iranian influence, just like Russia wants to have a permanent presence. They have the Air Force Base and Naval Base at Latakia and Tardis. And, the, um, and we see the Iran Revolutionary Guard with Hezbollah, um, and now these militias uh, increasing. And you see the aggressiveness of the Iranian position that their head of their navy talked about 44 flotillas of warships they have operating in 2 million square miles all the way into the Indian Ocean, the Persian Gulf, other areas, and talked about their new naval zones and three new naval bases that they're expanding their outreach uh, in, in all directions, including, of course, Baghdad and, and Beirut and Damascus. So these are very uh, serious moves that don't get, it seems, much attention uh, from from uh, anybody. In the meantime, they keep arresting people. They keep uh, the 12 members of their nuclear negotiating team that used that dealt with the IEA have been arrested and charged with espionage. Meaning Iranian? Uh... Iranians. It, it's it's bizarre, but this stuff is happening, and, and almost no attention from the media to it. Even though this is still still positive, and I think that that the recognition and the realization of what Iran is up to was reflected in the vote last week uh, in the House of 419 to 1 to, to continue the sanctions right. and to extend the, the sanctions. And there, there are 19 bills pending that the new Congress probably will deal with, dealing with Iran's sanctions of all kinds, even preventing the sale of the aircraft to them, etc., so, and, and some to reimpose some of the banking sanctions, which are, are very important. So the, the, there is this recognition or part of, of legislators that Iran is taking advantage of this moment and expanding its, its authority, challenging American right. interests uh, all the time. Are they becoming... Are they becoming consequence. Are they becoming more aggressive because they sincerely are worried about what might happen to these agreements once January 20th happens? Certainly verbally they are, and they are very concerned. They, they, they uh, attack the incoming president, even spreading rumors that he's Jewish. I think Hamas did that, and uh, other attacks uh, on him. Uh, yes, they, they are very concerned because uh, uh, they have been able to get away with a lot and, and have paid very little price um, uh, for it. So it's, it's an unknown for them. And I think there's strong messages that, that have come out in the past from uh, President-elect and others uh, do have an impact. And as you told us a couple of weeks ago, don't anticipate any type of drastic move when it comes to the, uh, trying to abolish the Iran deal, but look for some small gestures and moves that could have a, a, a significant effect. And they don't have to be necessarily small. By the way, Iran is also moving in on the PA. They, they are reestablishing their ties with Hamas. They are working more closely, providing uh, weapons and, and more support. Um, so th- that's why the Iranian officials say, "Look, we we are on everyone. We're on all of Israel's borders, Hamas, Hezbollah, etc." And um, they the their activities, as you 
said, they've become much more aggressive. And w- one of the reasons is because they can. They don't right. feel the, the threat that, um, you know, that the international community is really going to extract the price for, for the violations on missiles, on human rights, on terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, the number of terrorist attacks recorded in Israel increased last month by over 20%, for over 30% uh, over September. The 29% increase in attacks, the largest... Oh, by almost 30%. The 29% increase in attacks, the largest since the near tripling of incidents in October of 2015, owed partly to a near doubling of incidents in the Israeli capital of Jerusalem to 48 last month from 26 in September. Frankly, and you've been in Jerusalem very recently, and, you know, I, I got plenty of family there at this point. Frankly, it doesn't feel that way. Is, is it a couple of incidents? Because, thank God, it, there's been such a uh, effective intelligence and activity by security personnel against terrorist attacks that because of these couple of incidents that we saw at the light rails, etc., at light rail stations, you know, th- those, uh, were, those were responsible for the increase in these statistics? I, I think you're, uh, you're right. Because uh, you, were, you were there. It doesn't feel like it, right? It doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like it. it. At all. There was no restrictions at any time on where you could go, what you could do. You didn't see reports of, of incidents, but, uh, you know, to get an uh, uptick, it doesn't take much, but you know that the violence that we're seeing now, and there is a huge upsurge in, in violence in, in, inside the PA, against the PA, against the PA security, against the, and they, they're often fighting uh, Fatah gunmen, and young people there are, are demonstrating against Abbas, not against Israel, about the corruption and about the, the uh, fact that the, the, you know his sons, who he's trying now, by the way, to bring into the leadership of uh, of Vatan and of the PA, and because there's no apparent successor for, you know, he's in the eleventh year of his four-year term, and he's uh, there's a lot of pressure about elections and about, and the internal pressure is growing all, all the time, and the, the even the things like the three hundred million dollars in the budget that goes to pay for terrorists has finally gotten more and more attention. The fact that that a terrorist, the one who killed like the Fogel family, the two parents and, and three children, he gets twelve thousand shekels a month as a as a pension for for wow. killing him because he, the more he killed, the more you get. A Palestinian teacher makes a thousand shekels a month, and these terrorist murderers get twelve thousand shekels a month. Unbelievable. And the United States and others are finally moving to to cut this off. The incitement that we have seen in there, and and they use every forum. And that's why the, we can't rule out what they will do with the Security Council, even as a diversion from their internal problems. But they went to the environmental conference and blamed Israel, and Israel responded, showing how they've tried to work with the, the PA. They have a cement factory where 70% of the workers have respiratory illnesses, Palestinians, and it also impacts the community, Jewish communities nearby. Uh, and yet the Palestinians refuse to, to do anything, and yet they go to the UN climate conference and attack Israel viciously and uh, blame Israel for for ruining the environment. We saw the same regard to water, regard to other things. And yesterday there was an amazing event where the head of the coordinator, the the IDF coordinator for government activities, Kogat uh, General uh, Yov Mordechai, did a, a Facebook, a live Facebook thing, and it, it was amazing to see the thousands of people. Who, who responded to it, and people asked questions, and he warned them not to pay for permits, that this is a rip-off, and, you know, that, that, that to get permits to come into Israel for treatment, if you're not a member of the Father Ruling Group, you have to pay. Right. And, and yet Israel treats them for free, and, and hundreds of Israelis go and pick them up, and 
it's just on every level the corruption is so widespread and now we're seeing the reaction to it especially amongst young people uh, and the international community has uh, virtually nothing to say They're, they have no comment about all of this uh, mistreatment of the people so it's a it's a very dangerous situation inside the PA right now and um, and you know the aid from the international community is about half of what it was three years ago because of the, the the disappointment and dissatisfaction with the kleptocracy there. There you go. Uh, good luck on Sunday night. You may want to you, you may want to visit the OL tomorrow night before the event. You ever think of that? I have been thinking about that. Yeah, there you go. See? And uh, <laughs> great minds think alike. Huh? And uh, next week we'll be in our all digital forum. Oh, mention that to all the shluchim you meet. They can listen from anywhere around the world. You got to make sure to mention that. And uh, we'll be in our old digital form. I hope your grandchildren have already installed the NSN app for you, Malcolm. I don't, I don't depend on you to do it, but I hope your <laughs> grandchildren have already done it for you. Actually, I did talk to them about it to make sure that I have it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what's been happening for the last few weeks. All the young people out there, help the oldsters, help everybody. In the uh, this is uniting the generation. <laughs> it certainly is. And you get an opportunity to have the kids make fun of you, which is always fun, right? They don't uh, need excuses. <laughs> so we will speak, Vezrat Hashem, same time next week in our new format, and I thank you. Uh, Malcolm Holmine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings here at JM in the AM next week. Make sure you have your app, your computer, your phone, whatever method you're going to use. Transition with us to our brand new digital platform and make sure to uh, be tuned in for the weekly update every single week right here at the JM in the AM. Uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chayei Sarah. Parshas Chayei Sarah is conveniently broken down into three parts. The first 20 psukim deal with Avraham's acquisition of a burial plot for Sarah. And many, interestingly, consider this actually one of the ten tests that the Mishnah speaks of in the fifth chapter of Avos, that even beyond the Akedah, now that he needs a burial place for his wife Sarah, even though God promised him this land is your land, still he had to pay an excessive and an exorbitant amount of money to acquire a plot for her. Interestingly, we see how important and crucial it is, Kever Yisrael, that a Jew be buried in a Jewish cemetery. And once I'm mentioning the word buried, it's important to know that Jewish law requires that the body be buried in the ground as opposed to, God forbid, cremated or even above ground burial. The next part of the parasha devotes no less than 67 psukim for the acquisition of a wife for Yitzchak. The criteria that Eliezer, the Eved Avraham, utilizes in terms of finding and identifying Rivka as being the one to marry Yitzchak. And finally, the last part of the parsha deals with the passing 
of Avraham and of Yishmael. And just take a peek at the last verse and the Balaturim, for there is a beautiful remez to the coming of Mashiach. I'd like to focus on the middle part of the parsha, Eliezer's criteria for selecting a wife for Yitzchak, and it's clear that he uses the criteria of chesed, of kindness. The girl who will be kind enough to A, give me the water, and afterwards draw and feed for all the animals, that's the one. Now, at first glance, what we have here is chesed, kindness, in the excess. Not just a simple act of kindness, but almost like in the extreme. Why was this the necessary criteria for Rivka's worthiness to become a matriarch of the Jewish people? I'd like to suggest that our rabbis tell us why did God create the world in the first place? And one of the primary answers that's given is Teva Hatov Lehetiv. The nature of the good one, God, is Lehetiv to bestow and give goodness to all. As we say thrice daily in Ashrei, God opens up his hands. Umazbia l'chol chai, and he satiates all living beings, ratzon, in accordance with his will, in accordance with their will. The bottom line is that God is the ultimate provider. Now, unfortunately, as we read in the beginning of Noach, vatimole ha'aretz chamos, the land was filled with violence, which was literally contrary to the very purpose of the creation of this world, and therefore God said the world had to be destroyed. The world is rebuilt through Noah. Now we know that the ark that Hashem tells Noah to make was the most incredible, miraculous, floating zoo. The Ramban writes that even ten arks naturally could not have been sufficient to house all the animals and all the food for that year's journey. However, it was a miracle. So once there was so many miracles going on in this ark, couldn't there be one more miracle, namely that the animals would have had at each compartment an automatic feeder. Noah and his sons could have gone once a week and filled up these feeders. The animals would then go take their food themselves and Noah would have had time to do the dafyomi, to relax a little bit. And instead, what do we find at the end of the Gemara Sanhedrin? That Eliezer, Ebed Avram from this week's parsha, asks, Shame, Ben Noach, Shame, the son of Noach who survives the flood, tell me, what was it like 
on the ark? And shame answers, it was horrific. What does that mean? It means that we were busy literally 24-7. We were busy all day. Those animals which had to be fed by day, we fed by day. Those that needed to be fed at night, got their feeding at night. We were busy day and night. And the obvious question is, why? Why couldn't there have been this automatic feeder? And perhaps an answer is, is because given that the world was deficient in chesed, in order to have the foundation of the new world based on chesed, you couldn't have chesed, forgive me, with a small ches, you needed chesed in a very strong excessive manner. And this became the foundation for the new world order. Hence, Noah and his sons busy constantly day and night. And now we move on to Avram Avinu in last week's parsha. And Avram, as we know, is the paradigm of Chesed. And look at his Hachnasas Orchim. And if you take a step back, you'll ask yourself, oh my goodness, what a waste. If only they were three men who actually needed the food and water. If only these were three men that actually benefited from his exertion on a time when he should not have been exerting himself. And what do we see? No, this is Avram as the one who is the model of chesed, because it's not so much the recipient as much as it is the donor. That Avram Avinu is the Isha chesed. He's doing it because he needs to emulate God. He needs to follow in the ways of Hashem. And he is to be the one who is that constant giver. And so what do we find as well in this week's parsha that Rivka not only does she offer and give respond to Eliezer that he can drink water but the offer and the follow through of giving to all of the camels as Eliezer says in his prayer this is the one that you, Hashem, have designated for Yitzchak. And Rashi says, This will prove that she is fit for him. That she is a practitioner of kindness and goodness. And she's worthy to enter the social Avraham. In order to go into the house of Avraham, not a simple act of chesed will do, but you need this chesed to, if I can use either in the extreme or what would be considered by many and to others as in the excess of chesed. Now watch. There is a very powerful Gemara. The Gemara is found in Bava Basra, Yud Amar Aleph, 10a whereby to Nisrufus Harasha, a philosopher of the Romans, asked Rabbi Akiva the following question. If your God, said the philosopher, 
loves the poor, why doesn't he sustain them and support them? Amalei Rebekiva answered, Rebekiva gave a very strange answer, so that we, the wealthy, should be saved from the judgment of Gehenim, of H-E-L-L. Amazing. This is very nice, that the poor are enabling the wealthy to go to Olam Haba. But is this really fair to the poor? Asks Rev. Elio Dessler, in his Mikhtav Me'Elio, Chelek Aleph, Volume 1, page 152. And the reason I am giving you the specific location is take a look at it yourself, because otherwise you might not believe me. And he asks this question at first glance, it's not fair to the poor. And his answer is the most remarkable one. It certainly is. Now, I'm going to tell you by way of introduction. Namely, Hashem. The way that God works in this world is mysterious to us. We don't understand. But he gives a whole different spin and a whole different perspective. He reminds us of the famous teaching of our rabbis, found in Rus Rabbah, as well as in Vayikra Rabbah. Vayikra Rabbah, it's found in Vayikra Rabbah, chapter 34, verse 8. And that is as follows. When Naomi asks Rus, who comes home with her arms full of food that she has gathered from the field. The mother-in-law asks the daughter-in-law, where did you gather today? And Rus says, Shemo Ish, the name of the man, Asher Osisi Imo Hayom, that I did for him today, is Boaz. Excuse me, who did for whom? If you were to stop the video and look at this picture with Rus carrying all this produce, you would say, Boaz did for us. But that's not what she says. The name of the man that I did for him. What does she do for him? So the rabbis explained to us that she made Boaz into a giver. She was the vehicle. She was the manner in which he is able to fulfill his mitzvah. And as she facilitates, as results, she makes him into a giver. And therefore, says the Mikhtav Me'iliyahu, that yes, the poor are here in this world because they are really givers. They are giving the ones that have the opportunity to be transformed into a giver and to be saved from the harsh perhaps judgment that would come otherwise if they weren't charitable individuals. Now, I have to tell you, the Gemara in Nida, 
16b tells us that at the moment of conception, the angel takes the drop of semen and brings it before HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says to God, Tipazu, What's going to be the destiny? Will it be Gibor or Cholash? Will it be a strong individual or weak? Chacham Will it be wise or foolish? Ashir o Oni. Will it be wealthy or poor? And just keep in mind, points out the Talmud, that it doesn't say Russia or Tzadik. A good person or a bad person, that each individual has that opportunity. But rich or poor is decided upstairs. But who has a bigger challenge and who has greater reward? So the Shmos Rabbah, chapter 31 Paragraph 3 on the Pasuk in Kesef Talves Ami tells us the following, that both the wealthy and the poor each have their nisoyon, each have their test in life. And regarding the wealthy one, if he gives charity, he has his wealth in this world, and the Karen the principle of his mitzvah, he gets the reward in the world to come. And God protects him from the din of Gehenna because he gave the charity. The poor man, if he withstands his test, and he doesn't challenge God and ask why. Why am I poor? Why can't I balance my checkbook. Why don't I have enough for my children? So says the Medrash no tail kiflayim. He gets double in the world to come. Amazing that the poor man gets double in the world to come. Why? Not only does he get the schar of his mitzvos and the benefit of thou of the trials and tribulations that he endured but A, he was not complaining but more he facilitated and enabled others to become givers very very challenging and difficult for us to understand but it definitely puts things in a very different perspective and therefore we learn from Parshas Chayesara, the next time an individual comes collecting at your door, instead of, God forbid, saying to your children, tell them I'm not home, and sending him away, welcome him, because very possibly he is your ticket for Olam Habo. Shabbat Shalom to all.
As you sing Ashes Chayel tonight with that lovely tune, think of your wife and think of the late, great Ben-Sion Schenker who left us that and about a million other incredible nigunim that enhance our lives on a regular basis. Quarter before 9 o'clock Friday morning, it's Erev Shabbos at JM and the Am. Parshas Sara, minutes away from the start of Shabbos in Hebron. Uh, we heard from Dr. Joe Rosazada earlier. Special regards to everybody spending Shabbat in Hebron. What a place to be. I loved I had the privilege of doing it four or five times, had the just the most incredible time each and every time. And um, what can I tell you? Thanks, everybody who's commenting on our app. It's much appreciated. A lot of great things that, uh, that we do are acknowledged by people commenting on the app during our program. A week from today, it'll be all digital. A week from today, we are in our new role as the flagship program 
exclusive flagship program exclusively of the Nachum Siegel Network. JM and AM will be accessible to everybody around the world through our app, through our website, through web radios, through our listen line. We'll remind you about all of those as we go through the week next week. But Thursday, December 1st, is the final day that Terrestrial Radio will air this program. And after 33 years, we move on to our next special project. In this case, making this program even bigger, even better, even more exciting, even more incredible. I want to thank those who have uh, tossed in our direction. Our entire staff is enjoying, not just me, but so many people on the staff are enjoying incredible compliments about our Journey to Venice and the Jewish Unity Initiative. Special thank you to our friends at Bartonura and thank you to our friends at Kedem Royal Wine and the Herzog family. Special thanks to Mr. Leon Goldenberg and his family. Uh, all of the aforementioned had such an affinity toward this Venice project and wanted to see it succeed. And what we call success, what we envisioned as success, we realized. That success was realized, and we are very proud of it. Candle lighting at 411 on this era of Shabbos. By the way, when we were away, there were a couple of major events that took place. Heard the Ohel Gala was incredible, so congratulations to David Mandel and company on that. Heard the Atid Society event was remarkable with Simcha Liner uh, on the Sunday nights. So Tamari Halpern and everybody at, out at Kushner. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about that and encourage people to go. Heard it was just phenomenal. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Kislev is Thursday. Keep that in mind, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Uh, over the weekend, first of all, before we get to the weekend, Naomi Nachman follows us with Table for Two. A brand new edition of Table for Two is coming up. A brand new edition of Table for Two is on the way. Starts at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right after J.M. in the a.m. Today, Naomi speaks with uh, Renee Muller, author of Our Table. Wolf and Lamb proprietor Zalman Wunsch with his executive chef Seth Wilson and nutritionist Beth Warren to discuss healthy eating. It's all coming up on video at NahumSiegel.com, audio on all of our platforms. Naomi Nachman next with Table for Two. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Kedem's presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time, which is really cool. And um, that's going to be going on all through the day. Make sure it's the best way to get into Shabbos, so make sure you're listening all the way until 4.11 Eastern time. And um, tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull, Avrami, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler, all part of a great Saturday Night Seagull show. Matis with JM Sunday on Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. He continues to do that incredible live presentation each week, and we thank him for it. More coming up from the late, great Ben Sion Schenker at JM in the AM. Oh, oh, oh. 
in the AM, the great late Rebbe Sion Schenker, who we remember on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos. Candle lighting at 411 on this Erev Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM.
Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Final Friday on Terrestrial Radio. Don't forget, we have a big transition coming up next week. Make sure you are ready. We'll talk more about it, of course, starting on Monday. Table for two, Naomi Nachman on video at NachumSiegel.com. Audio on all of our platforms. She comes up next. Uh, Kedem's presentation of our Erev Shabbos music mix all through the day. Make sure to be tuned in. It's the only way to start your Erev Shabbos and have a great Shabbos. And uh, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night. Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning at 7. And Elliot with uh, Court Report. 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend, until Monday. Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.